All right, I think I'll stop bothering you with these in the future. It's be the last one that is specific to an episode. I'll just do a generic one. But um, you don't need me preaching at you. You've heard this enough times. If you're listening to the free feed, we give you a little bit of the paid one. Hope that you come over and uh, give us some money at uh, wethefifth.substack.com to keep this thing going. This one was a fun episode. Um, Camille got an Apple, what do you call it? The Apple Vision Pro? Is that what it's called? And uh, proceeded to wear the thing for the whole. So if you've thought in the past that Camille wasn't paying attention, wait until you hear this episode. So it's a good one. And rather than just give you the 10 minute weird lead up where we're just kind of talking nonsense, yeah, just cut something from the middle of the episode. And uh, you want to hear the rest? Go subscribe. Because we talk about Ukraine, we talk about uh, the Middle East, we talk about old Joe Biden and how old he is, and lots of other stuff. The Super Bowl, too. Um, lots of other stuff in between. So go to wethefifth.substack.com, subscribe, and you can enjoy the whole thing. We, we, we know of new methods of Because remember we used to have that game, which you can still play. The Trojan you know, horse. Which is you think the of anything. Column. And then you column, add column, race column, to it and Google it. You know, like it's, it's just like <laughs> softball is racist. You'll find something, right? You'll always find something. It's like the porn thing yeah. from 10 years ago on the internet. If there is a kink exactly. that you're just making up, exactly. there's a porn. Yes. And I wonder if someone has done a racial justice uh, piece about the headset that you're wearing right now. There must be one, <laughs> right? Well, I, I just turned on the thing. I just turned on the immersion. Can you, can you like blink? So now I'm on just, Mount Hood, and oh. you guys is I, I'm <laughs> watching you guys on the screen. But I'm at God, Mount man, Hood. you think he doesn't pay attention previously? Now he's on <laughs> Mount Hood. It's, it's nighttime. When I look up at the sky, I see the stars. It's oh, amazing. God, it's, it's going to do what for my productivity. It's just explicit now. <laughs> um. Oh, man. People have been waiting for this Apple Vision Pro oh, review. Oh, okay. Should you get one? For, yep. First thing. Hell oh. yeah. <laughs> oh, my is God. Softball this racist? is amazing. This no. is the best thing I've ever seen. I'm told, this is, this oh, is like yeah. a real publication. This is the headline. Yeah. Apple's pricey new vision will likely leave oh. black creators and audiences behind. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> what publication is this? this what publication is, is this? I'm showing you is this, this Gizmodo? Uh, it's some, oh, ver- level. some version of Gizmodo. But yeah, that's yeah. that was Gizmodo 3.1. Yeah, that's incredible. <laughs> that's great. Uh, well, it's going to leave uh, um, uh, black creators behind. Okay. Actually, the, the other thing that comes up is just a page on the Apple website on apple.com, apple.com yeah. slash speaking up on racism. Um, can I read you the mm. first paragraph? Because I think this is yes. slightly dated. Um, it's signed Jim Cook, by the way. Tim Cook, sorry. It'd be great if it was Jim Cook, his brother. <laughs> just <laughs> give the race stuff to him. <laughs> um, speaking up on racism, this is the, what comes up when you Google um, Apple Vision Pro, whatever, racism. Right now, there's a pain deeply etched in the soul of our nation and the hearts of mm. millions. To stand mm. together, we must stand up for one another and recognize the fear, hurt, and outrage rightly provoked by the senseless killing of George Floyd and a much longer history of racism. Mm. Apple watches are on sale. For, <laughs> I don't know <laughs> this is, no. um, yeah. 
That's, I think we will look back on this stuff. I love the fact that the second to last paragraph is in the words of Martin Luther King. It's like, I mean, AI would do better than in the words of Martin Luther King. But we will look back at these hilarious things that um, the computer company and the people that made our phones were like, we really have to uh, release a statement on what happened to the guy in Minneapolis. <laughs> it's just weirdest fucking thing when you think back on it. Like, I think... Camille should hire himself out as someone to give like little absolution speeches before yeah. major events. And he should yeah. look exactly like he looks right yeah, now. Yeah, with the red mm. cap on backwards. I mean, he um, looks like he's going to Guantanamo. Actual... Like, you know, when they were in the orange jumpsuits <laughs> with those things on there. Yeah. The black Except he's so happy. He's blissful. Yeah, those guys were happy too. They didn't have to be in Al Qaeda anymore. <laughs> he's getting a reach around in the, in the virtual in world and getting a good meal oh, finally. God. Um, yeah, why, when these, you go back to these uh, statements, why didn't this create, you would imagine that people would have a sort of anti-capitalist backlash against these things, that the corporations have become so intertwined in everyday life that we're getting it was, anti-racist it was there. statements. Was it there? Was it there? Yeah, it was there. So I remember when everyone was like, uh, oh, you put a black square on, but that wasn't enough. That was yeah. you trying to, I didn't even to do, do blackwashing. <laughs> so, so, I'm sorry. No, I'm... You, you, you didn't. It was a different you. It was Ustedes. <laughs> um, uh, I think no, that there was, was a lot I of people re- filming things revised too. There was because it, uh, it was like the Seinfeld episode when they when Kramer won't wear the AIDS ribbon. He's like, who won't wear the ribbon? And it's like it's me. Like who wouldn't wear the put the black square? Up? I don't. It's a fucking stupid thing. It's I, I, it's most, I don't do anything like that. It doesn't matter what it is. You know, you signed at least one of the Camille's the asshole who signs all the petitions, but you signed at least one of them, didn't you? <laughs> I never, no, no. Didn't didn't you like you sign one of the, the Substack letters? letters to I didn't sign sub, all of them. Keep Substack like free one. for Nazis, kind of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. I the one that okay. I signed was in defense <laughs> of national socialism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that that was. Uh, I was asked if I would like to sign that, and you know, I'm also a yeah. polite person. Um, I've never been asked to I'm sign not. the other ones. I don't know how it would happen, but um, yeah, the Harper's letter. I was not asked. I did not add any weight to that. Uh, to that. Well, document. I think we. We knew that that you would not do it. That's what we knew. Yeah, I, I think I think yeah. Noam Chomsky wouldn't be on it if I was on the same. The same <laughs> That's it. He said no. <laughs> yeah, those were his terms. Actually, uh, did you watch the uh, Super Bowl on that device, Camille? No, no, I watched that on the regular TV because I was watching with my daughter. That is the. Did thing. she like Man, it? Really? She she actually she wept at the end because she was rooting for the 49ers. Oh, no. When they lost, she just kind of got up slowly, and then I heard her, like, sniffling. That's great. (laughs) Going down the stairs. I tried to comfort her, and I said, honey, honey, it's okay. It doesn't matter. They're still all rich. You don't have to worry. (laughs) It doesn't matter. Really really good parenting. It doesn't matter. It's pointless. She did say at one point, um, watching the the Usher performance, uh, she said, "Daddy, I am going to I am going to um go on a poll like that." And I said, "No, no, you never will." <laughs> yeah. And she said, <laughs> "She said, yes, I will when I grow up." Yeah. <laughs> oh no. Yep. So <laughs> yep, you've already. So that was that was a great <laughs> proud moment for me. My six year old informed me 
that yeah. you're going to fail gonna the pole. At keeping me off the pole. Yeah, which thanks, is the Usher. main job. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> thanks, honestly, it's watching watching the Super Bowl with my daughter. Just it reminded me. One, I mean, football is a violent sport. I mean, she yeah. was seeing these men have these collisions, and I mean, every single time she kind of jump a little bit. Cohen, on the other hand, had this huge smile on his of face. Course. So gender, like, <laughs> social construct, and we yeah. should just <laughs> yeah. just ignore it because totally. it doesn't matter, and yeah. they're not different. Um, but you also notice how much violence there is in the ads, like the commercials for other stuff, which just continued to, I, I would just, like, Leah, you need to turn away. Apparently, um, Jordan Peele is making a movie called Monkey Man or some nonsense like that, and there was a bunch of John Wick in India kind of vibes. Oh, that um, looks good, so yeah. Get her to not look at that and then there's all the scantily clad women who are performing alongside usher who uh i don't know why does usher do the super bowl halftime show it's, I, it's so I bizarre he's not good no he's, uh, not he's good. a good dancer he's a good dancer i think that's why i suppose so that's fine lots of people can do that it seems like you probably ought to have more skills it's than roller that. skates that's that's manly I mean, the, that's the grand it. finale of his super bowl performance is lil john and ludicrous coming on stage with him. I know it's horrible. It's and then Alicia Keys has never been talented. Can your I don't headset, care what anybody. Can says. your headset make a time machine like that <laughs> to go back? <laughs> to go back and stop it in Little John yeah. and other things from twenty years ago. <laughs> yeah, it's a I mean, millennial moment of, my, of, a, of a big movie, the summer blockbuster. Stop this Super Bowl half. It kind of reminds me of the when they um, book. They used to book the worst comedians for like the White House um, correspondence center. Be like Rich <laughs> Little. <laughs> yes. It's like what Rich Little? What year is it? But that was it. It was like you can imagine the guys in a, a boardroom being like. Uh, guys, is Tom Loke still alive? Is he available? Because <laughs> I would love a I funky wish, cold. Medina I wish that's what was happening. <laughs> it's it's Jay Z has been doing the programming for the Super Bowl for the past couple of years. Seriously? He is responsible for all of this. Yeah, it's very strange. Very I strange. I stick up for it. I I like you like having this. I yeah. like having hip hop in the center of it because that's more accurate. Of and they're just culture. better artists. They should just have brought Kanye back and let him do his thing and just I don't give know a warning before he starts thing. and just say, hey, anti-Semitism <laughs> yeah. might happen. Just, yeah. it's okay. Yeah. Do you, just know, let do you remember go. what happened yeah. last time we had 20,000, 200,000 people in a stadium shouting about the Jews? It didn't. <laughs> started off in Nuremberg and it ended with the Chiefs. <laughs> the three-yard pass. <laughs> oh, I don't think that you saw that he has a uh, that new uh, that live stream vultures of his uh, yeah it's an album and he one of the rhymes on one of the songs is about how he's still anti-Semitic. This literally line. Well, he's like, I'm. Still I, mean, I think it's actually there's there's some sarcasm there because he's apologized. Uh-huh. He is obviously not. You are. You will. Anymore. It's amazing. It's unbelievable. You will apologize. <laughs> he puts the goggles on <laughs> I and didn't it's apologize. like he did. Yeah, but you're an he apologist. Apologized. You're an apologist. No, I'm not. Yeah. No, I'm interested in facts. And yeah. the facts are he has <laughs> apologized. Yeah. And he's rapping Dude, about you could he find, raps about all kinds of things. You could that are find not out that Kanye true. was there on October seventh and you'd figure out how to explain <laughs> it away. No. If he was, it's because he was gonna perform at the concert. Yeah. And that's, that's you know, right. because he's a hero. That's right. Because he's a hero and he loves he loves the chosen people. No, he does not. Obviously. He is an anti Semite. The real, like, the I real mean, chosen he is people. like legitimately like there's like no gray area at all. Like he's just like an, an, an actual anti-Semite. And you can say that it's because he's a crazy person. And I'm sure that they yeah. over-index. They usually find a way to blame the Jews. But he is an anti-Semite. I mean, literally when I was uh, talking, uh, interviewing uh, Bill Maher, and he had the Kanye interview on Club Random that he never showed. 
Yeah, um, that's for the best. He wanted to do it. He was a very Camille-like spirit of like, hey, I want to, you know, let's let's just talk it through. I want to help a guy reach out, whatever. Um, and he did. And then they'd have a fun time and they were stoned. And he would always come back to <laughs> the Jews, did terrible things mm-hmm. all the time. And like he couldn't release it because he just didn't feel good about releasing Kanye's naked anti-Semitism into the world. I think who made a better choice? Did he make a better choice or did Tucker for just cutting out all the anti-Semitic bits and still airing the interview? Tucker, that's a, that, that is a, a miserable, cowardly, anti-journalistic choice. Honestly, like, um, if you're going to present a cut up interview and also do the, uh, why aren't other people talking to him? You know, maybe he's got a lot of good points. (laughs) I think you have a pretty good Tucker. (laughs) I'm not bad. I just, you know, uh, the sec- second best on a, on a three man right, podcast yeah. um, for impersonations. Um, although Camille's a good <laughs> singer impersonation. Um, yeah. I mean, he's but, also uh, in- impersonating Kanye right now. I mean, he has like, <laughs> he just he looks look like, like an insane, <laughs> insane person. You have like the black thing over your face. It's just like Kanye. <laughs> you should have a naked woman next to you dressed in a trash bag like Kanye. I, I usually do. Yeah. I usually do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <Naked> Italian <laughs> Except woman. it's Monday. Yeah. So you get a night off. Yeah. She's at church today. <laughs> but um, this is uh, yeah, did you, the, um, so going down. the Tucker stuff. Did you see Uh-oh. his interview? Um, it was on some... What was that? It was he was on some stage in like Turkey or something. I don't know some some. Um, I think it was in. Uh, Turkey, uh, was I it? think it was in the Gulf somewhere. It was like a some World Economic Gulf Forum of really of super Nat-cons? democratic people. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like people in turbans. Yeah. who are super rich and uh, and others. Yeah, it's. Uh, I just saw the the money clip of him talking about how Moscow is. It's- more more beautiful than any American city. It's literally the most insane thing I've ever heard in my life. I, I can't I want actually how insane that I've is. never been to Moscow and I don't know if Camille if you have or, or not. I have not. Um, no. But I know Michael has yeah. and just on the merits, because I you know I've I posted it's a very this cool with, city by the way. But what he says with the amounts yeah. uh yeah, I, I just was I pointed out on Twitter that, you know, it's it's interesting to watch the transmorgification of the nationalist right into the Ural pass left. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and he's embodying it, but maybe Moscow really is that beautiful and clean. So Mr. Moynihan, how do you play? (laughs) I mean, do you think that Tucker was hanging around in any place other, like he shot that thing where he was introducing, um, or, or, um, uh, promoting the interview. He's like, we're going to do an interview tomorrow with Vladimir Putin. <laughs> and then he does this thing. But uh, uh, he he was on the roof of where I've been actually on that roof to a, a little drinks party, which was quite fun, on the roof of the Ritz-Carlton in like across from Red Square. That's where he was staying. And he was being ferried around by the Kremlin. So, you know, it's funny. You look back at these books or books that collect this stuff. And I always point out the Paul Hollander books on the, particularly the one Political Pilgrims of why people are tricked and snowed by these, was it in tourist was the Soviet tourism agency. And they would be like, it's all, everything's amazing. We were shown the great bountiful harvest. And why can't we be like this in America? And you're like, how do people possibly fall for this? Tucker has all the other information. And you realize, oh, they just want to fall for it. That's exactly what's happening yes. here. It's like there's no, he didn't go out to the fact that, you know, there's half the 
places in, in Russia don't have electricity or plumbing, you know, I mean, electricity, but plumbing's hard. Um, it's hard when it's, it's not a warm country. It's not a warm country. Um, it's a poor country. Uh, there's a lot of poverty that you see in, in, you know, the outskirts of Moscow and other places. I was in, where was I? I was Kazan, which was like, there's, you know, this is not a place where like, God, I can't, would love to live here. But even if it were true, it's not true. Where he says, well, you know, there's not going to be homeless people, you know, pissing on the subway. It's like, you know, the, you do trade some things for liberty and for freedom. And mm. you don't have to have people pissing on the subway. You don't have to have homeless people, you know, wandering the streets. You can just have a, have a police force come and round them all up and put them somewhere and throw away the key. And then you're North Korea. There's no crime in North Korea either. Do you want to live in North Korea? Very, very clean in Pyongyang. Or even... Even Singapore, clean as hell, yeah. and do you want to live under those rules? Yeah. I do not. And to be caned if, some, you, if you're Michael Fay. Do you remember him? Um, yeah, so that was just insane to me that, you know, in, in someone, I tried to find the tweet, somebody predicted this. Somebody tweeted them, they found he was going to Russia, he's like, he's going to say it's the cleanest city. <laughs> that time, I, somebody has to resurface that, uh, that tweet. Well, he did the same uh, thing, basically, in Budapest. He didn't say it was the cleanest city, because I don't think even he could... Uh, maintain that facade, but he had the same rap about architecture, which I'm sure I talked about a little bit uh, a couple of years ago when he came out with it. Um, and it's just this weird uh, NatCon, TradCon sort of vibe. Like, you know, yeah. America, what's keeping you from having buildings like this? Um, I mean, and, a thousand um, years of history? How about that? Thousand years of history, um, not having crazy uh, hyper expansionist nationalist ideas in which you create in Hungary's case, the world's uh, third largest parliament building for the world's 94th largest parliament. Yeah. That's even unicameral. It's one, one, uh, <laughs> one, one body. <laughs> uh, like if, if you cover parliament, which he never would in Hungary, cause also there's no point anymore really in covering the parliament. You, you walk in and there's like a little like side chamber over there in the corner um, where you see the people who are doing the parliamenting and the rest of the thing is empty. It's kind of, it's like the, uh, the palace in Bucharest, right? Like you only really use it to make movies about like the Vatican. You don't actually yeah. use it for doing anything like parliament. Um, and that's not something to aspire to in the United States of America. Um, and it's insane to me. It's insane to me that like, this is the nationalist American nationalist endpoint is to, just slag America as a shithole. And I, I don't say that as a defense of, of New York. God knows we've talked about it enough. And I mean, I'm just every single day on the subway here, it's terrible. A lot of this is a choice within rich countries to govern themselves well or bad. And uh, especially cities, I think that are uh, controlled overwhelmingly by Democrats in America right now are really governed badly. They're like, yeah. they're doing a bad job of it. I get that. That's fine. Uh, Chris Arnotti, who does the great and insane sort of walking tours of the entire world has some really interesting things to say about the way different societies comparatively organize. And it's not just poverty or, or wealth that determine whether places are nice or not. Um, it's a bunch of other cultural things and that we should be thinking about what we're doing wrong. I get all that. That's fine. What I don't get is going to dictator land and saying like, he's doing a great job. Um, that's just disgusting. It's really, really disgusting. Even if he did, and, and he deserves credit for bringing up, um, the, the wall street journal reporter who's behind bars and some other, a couple of other difficult questions within the interview, but to go and to fluff 
bad foreign guys, wherever it is. It could be Saudi Arabia with a Saudi government. It could be Russia. It could be Hungary. Um, it's it's gross. You're an American. Have a little bit of self-respect. Yeah. I mean, it's incredible to see people on the right um, talking like this. Um, you see this from people like J.D. Vance, uh, who has become such a clown uh, that he can only hope that he stays in the Senate because I can't imagine what he would do after this. I mean, he had a career in which he you know, sold a billion copies of his book and then sold the rights of the book to, uh, I think, Ron Howard, who made a film about it, and then decided that a young guy, that his future was in the world of MAGA. I don't know if he believes it. If he does believe it, um, he's incredibly has an incredibly weak mind. Even if he believes it, I'm not saying that the, that the ideas are weak. How does one change their views so dramatically in such a short period of time? I mean, he was like a neocon. I mean, he wrote for, he wrote for David Frum, right, at one point? He, the, you know what he, he wrote for commentary. I mean, this is a, he can have, I think pride of ownership along with a couple of other private sector people who could be named, but I won't in the moment, um, uh, to say, to like codify in people's minds that if you bring up the word Ukraine, we're going to say fentanyl and border within the next sentence. Um, so he did it, he did it, he did it, he did it. And then the, uh, dog caught the car. And uh, and Republicans uh, had a power in the House, and they said, we won't do your Ukraine bill until we fix the border. And as we speak right now, J.D. Vance is up there with Mike Lee and Rand Paul and Lindsey Graham, great coalition, mm-hmm. um, out there kind of quasi-filibustering to prevent the Senate from doing a semi-clean, just Ukraine, Israel, and Taiwan, uh, $95 billion thing. And one of uh, J.D. Vance's speeches uh, tonight, we're recording this on Monday, um, was to say something like, they want us to fund Ukraine when American birth rates are not even at replacement it's, level. It, it makes no sense. Um, like, I understand the negotiation <laughs> of it, right? I understand saying, like, look, we'll give you this and you give us this. It's just basic politics, right? And particularly if you want some something... Um, um, about the border to be, you know, something to be done about the border, which uh, nothing is being done. And they're right about that. Their criticism on that front is right. The broad strokes of it are right. I'm sure that all the details I would disagree with, but on the broad strokes, they're right. That's fine. But it seems to be this plug and play thing because uh, um, Ukraine is complicated. They don't feel like explaining it. When they do explain it, they are so historically illiterate and so illiterate when it comes to the sort of present day politics of it too, in their vilification and the, the weirdest possible way of Zelensky makes absolutely no sense. It's like, you know, I, you know, he's got these softball interviews. It's like, well, his country was just invaded. I don't know what the hard ball question is. It's like, you know, he, you know, he shut down media. This is what Tucker has been saying. He's shut that like the opposition. You're in Russia. Right, you are sitting across from Vladimir Putin, right? Did you ask him about any of the other journalists who were killed? Well, no, of course he didn't. And there's a really interesting video, by the way, that Tucker posted himself of himself back in the his hotel room giving a kind of debrief of the interview, basically saying it was a bad interview. And you know what? You know why would he? Why would it be a bad interview? Because he's afraid of him, and he was like, you know, cowed by him. Because you've never seen Tucker Carlson, you know, allow someone to filibuster them, which is what for thirty minutes. It's insane. At the, the drop, like he didn't. Here's the jump ball. You talk for thirty yeah, minutes. Yeah, like you can't because 
it, it's the Trump syndrome too. It's like, you know, he knows that he's spoken about in the Russian media in sort of reverential terms and he doesn't want to lose that. He doesn't want the Russians to all of a sudden not like him and they won't like him if he interrupts and says, you know, what, what are you talking about? This is absolute nonsense. How far back do you want to go? And then, of course, all of the handmaidens of, of Putin, and I don't want to sound like these Russiagators, but there are a number of them in the conservative movement in particular. And they say, well, you know, he's got a point. It's like, I don't, I'm trying to think of the, what, what the analog would be in America. Like, do you want Mexico to go back to, you know, a couple hundred years and justify their taking of Texas? I mean, why is this okay in this example and not others? I mean, there's a million ways you could kind of parse that. But they also are just trusting that Putin's recapitulation of Ukrainian history is correct. And it isn't. <laughs> why would you, just like, why? At, wh at what point did any, like, uh, semi-mainstream American politician or movement decide that we can start trusting Russians? The fuck I, 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 is that? Particularly on the right. The fact that this is happening. I mean, you know. Senator Ron Johnson from Wisconsin, like, you know, he's... Yeah, you know, there might be a couple of problems, but Putin is out there. He's fighting for his people and he brings up a lot of salient points. No. Um, that's not the stance. I mean, I hate the term because it's so debased of foreign policy realism, partly because so many people use the word realism when they're in the act of doing things like cupping Putin's nuts. And there's nothing realistic about that. Mm -hmm. If you want to have a morally realistic assessment of Vladimir Putin, you have to um, assess that he like his country, as a representative of his country, which he uh, rules as a, at least a quasi-dictator, Michael's a full dictator in uh, in his view, um, uh, he is a aggressive imperialist, a, a murderous imperialist. Um, yeah. And so maybe you shouldn't take his word um, as gospel. And he's also been someone who has violated um, treaties or sub-treaties, but important uh, diplomatic uh, agreements, international agreements that America is a signatory to, um, and in ways that is bad. And he's violated the greatest taboo, uh, since the treaty of Westphalia, which is the taboo of violating another country's sovereignty that should matter to people. Um, and we need to reorient like, uh, like international politics and American like treatment of foreign policy with that in mind. And it's amazing to see how, how people don't give a shit about I that I think anymore. one of the things that allows the anti-Israel, pro-Palestinian, and oftentimes pro-Hamas protests to go on and for people to be scared, actually, even to come out and be sort of pro-Israel. Um, this is actually true. I mean, you see this all the time. They want to kind of step back from it. It's because there's just this endless stream of visuals it's propaganda, right? I mean, propaganda can be true too, but it's this endless stream of visuals. We don't have that in Ukraine because um, there's not an online contingent, uh, particularly the people that are, support the sovereignty of Ukraine and the struggle that uh, Zelensky has found himself in. This is not something he opted for. Uh, those are people that are not pushing out gruel propaganda all the time, showing dead bodies. And I'll give people one thing that they absolutely should do. It, you have to sit down and you have to make sure there's no kids around. It's it's hard to stomach, uh, but it's absolutely worth it. Um, just to remind yourself what this conflict is like and how the Russians have prosecuted it. And it's a, it's a documentary called 20 Days in Mariupol, the city of Mariupol, which is now 
still under Russian occupation, um, and was attacked brutally at the beginning of the war. And uh, a filmmaker, a Ukrainian filmmaker, made a film about it, and it is on PBS's website too, because Frontline bought the rights to it and played it. It's very, very good, and is absolutely horrifying just to see what was done to that city. And it's astonishing what was done to that city. And they're rebuilding it too. The Russians are rebuilding it and have done in this breakneck speed trying to rebuild it and, you know, pacify the people there and bring I mean, Putin has visited Mariupol. Um, there is, uh, they, there was a story, by the way, that they were bringing back uh, Lenin statues that were taken down in the sort of decommunization in the past 10 years. They're, they're trying to bring... This is on some Ukrainian website. I don't know if it's true or not, but it sounds a bit right. Because the thing that conservatives always forget is they can rest assured that there's no tension between the fact that they were cold warriors and hated the Soviet Union and their bootlickers for the Putin regime. Because it's not communism. Putin, in fact, is kind of conservative. Putin, you know, loves the Russian Orthodox Church. He doesn't like trans stuff, you know, that kind of stuff. He's, he's more on our side. It's like, that's actually not only insane, but if you strip out the basic idiocy of Marxism, Leninism that you saw in the Soviet Union, which so much of it was just paying lip service to what you had, you had to say these incantations when you talked about politics, you had to say it in this particular way. But what was it? It was spheres of influence trying to exert Russian power in places in Africa and Angola and South Yemen in the Central America and Nicaragua, Cuba, et cetera. What is, where is Russia doing that now? Syria, uh, Venezuela, its entire borderland territories trying to get back to its Soviet borders, which it believes are the justifiable and the, the morally correct borders of Russia. Vladimir Putin has tried to rehabilitate Joseph Stalin. Vladimir Putin worked for the KGB, obviously, in East Germany. Vladimir Putin has taken a lot of the Soviet textbook stuff and put it back into the textbooks in Russia. There is a statue at the Lubyanka, KGB headquarters. There's a Zerzhinsky statue. These have gone up again. They were pulled down and they've gone back. There is a lot of the Soviet Union that is in that. Uh, country. And if your only objection to the Soviet Union was the fact that it had sclerotic economics and idiotic economics, you're missing it.